the, the things that we all need to know, I think, are right inside of us. Um, but they're they're just buried under mountains of anxiety and planning and like conscious control of our lives right um and so you have to you do have to do whatever the thing is for you right if it's if it's drugs fine if it's um hypnosis fine if it's uh theta drumming fine you know if it's just getting quiet if it's paying attention to your dreams if it's whatever like there is we do have to tap into that deep inner wisdom i made it through the morning before i fell apart without warning i took a deep breath to collect myself i'll have a good afternoon Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, all of our non-binary folk, thank you so much for joining us today, and good afternoon. We're so glad you're with us. This is our third episode, and um, it is going to be a lot of fun, because I happen to already know that Joe is in quite a mood. Um, <laughs> I know that I'm in quite a mood. I don't know why. Uh, and, uh, and Megan seems as bubbly and peaceful and calm as ever so this might even just turn into us seeking out a spiritual director to, to bring us back to a healthy and holy place how are you guys doing not good drew i'm not good <laughs> i'm doing better than joe so well i'm about to find out if joe or if, if joe or i are doing better um but uh, Joe, do you have anything you want to get off your chest? Like we have a <laughs> we have kind of a startup question, but yeah, no, I'm all right. I I had a, a just a comically bad week. I um yeah, just chilling. <laughs> um, you can't see my chair, so it looks like I'm just yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so last Tuesday, Tuesday of last week, I wrecked my my wife's car. Actually, um, somebody somebody ran through a red light and I hit him and that, that really sucked. And then, um, but everybody's fine. We're all no injuries or anything. So that was, that was great. Um, but it meant that we were down to one car, uh, because all the body shops are backed up. We can't get, um, can't get the car in to get fixed until April, which is wow. like, it is now, uh, March 1st. So about six weeks from now, um, and so we're down to one car. That's usually not a big deal because Gwendolyn, my wife, doesn't like to drive really at all. She takes the bus as often as possible. Um, so, you know, we're really okay on the one car. Uh, but then at the end of last week, the check engine light came on on my car. I was like, okay, this is important. I got to get this in. Uh, all right. So I, <laughs> I, call mechanic i get my car in on monday so it's got to go in monday morning at 8 a.m this of this week um so i you know i know that monday i'm gonna be no cars that's fine i will work from home everything will be good um and <laughs> i take uh sunday night the faucet the kitchen faucet 
breaks like a gasket breaks on the kitchen faucet and like all right well we got to fix that it was late sunday night um all right so here we go monday morning get the car into the mechanic um oh sorry before i go i take the old kitchen faucet off right um and turn off the water and all that stuff take the car to the mechanic and from there uh take a bus to a hardware store to buy a new faucet to install and that takes a little while on the bus you go a little longer um so it takes me i'm about an hour and a half i'm gone um get back home and somehow while i'm gone the uh <laughs> the hot water valve has slipped and there's just water pouring into my oh, kitchen no. from the hose of this faucet for god knows how long i don't know how long it's just been gushing water okay so i get that i get the water turned off like that's the whole that was all of monday get the get that all situated cleaned up new faucet installed the whole thing um get my car picked up and then yes <laughs> okay so yesterday uh which was wednesday tuesday kind of was without event um yesterday i have my one car that i have back um and i'm driving it to take my kids to school yesterday morning and get a flat tire uh so i pull over we're close enough to school that they can now walk so they they walk the rest of the way to school and i change my tire now i am not a I'm not the tire changing type. <laughs> like <laughs> I am I'm not good at this. It took me an hour and a half and like four YouTube videos to get this tire changed <laughs> out here on the street watching YouTube videos trying to figure out it cuz oh because <laughs> I I literally would like when um when we were down to one car, I mean we were still down to one car, but when that became apparent, I was like, "Oh, I really need to renew my AAA membership. Let me do that tomorrow and like put it on my, so it's on my to-do list to renew AAA. Um, and, and I didn't. So flat tire, here I am hour and a half watching YouTube videos, changing this flat tire. I get it. I get it off, get the, um, like the little donut tire in the trunk on, um, looking good, feeling really good about myself. I'm taking pictures, showing my wife. I'm like, look at, look at me, you know, manly man, change the tire. I lower the jack and realize, oh, this spare tire is flat. Oh no! So, oh, <laughs> so flat spare tire on my one car. Um, so I'm looking around and I there's there's a a place to get tires changed uh, a mile and a half from where I am. Um, I call them up. They have the right kind of tires and I'm like, I'm just going to roll. I'm going to roll down the road a mile and a half on this flat spare tire and see, you know, try to get there. Um, so, so I get going down the road and the tire is so flat that it pops off the wheel and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm stranded. Oh. Just on a, oh. <laughs> so I, I did, I got pulled over out of the road and called a tow truck and had a tow truck come and tow me the extra mile to this tire shop and got a new tire. And now I'm feeling like the rest of the week's going to go good. 
<laughs> and the moral of this story is you need to make sure you renew your triple A triple A memberships. That's, that's yes. Right. That is true. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think I can top it. Okay, let's oh, do it. Oh. Um last night I was sad. And then I woke up sad. <laughs> and I don't totally know Aww. why. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's I feel like I want to pet you right now, right? Drew. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I was a little, I was a little sad when I woke up this morning. I wasn't sad last night. I was more like sort of just angry and anxious. And if I go to bed with a bad attitude, I get the night sweats. So I got the night sweats. <laughs> so I didn't sleep very well. <laughs> I don't, I don't totally know why that started about five or six years ago. That I have to like, have to be in a pretty good mood to go to sleep. Or I will wake up drenched in my own sweat. Ooh. Do you ever use guided meditations? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. But I didn't want to. Last night I was angry and anxious. Um, <laughs> I never use guided meditations when I really, Need really them. Could use them the most. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. That would make sense. Last night I just, instead of a guided meditation, which is kind of the same thing, I ranted at my wife about the things that were upsetting me for, I don't know, 90 minutes before bed. So... <laughs> Um, so she got the night sweats too. Good. So she may have also gotten the night sweats. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Pass but it forward. It wasn't even like I have no I have no explanation. On one level, I kind of uh I guess maybe I wish that I had gotten a flat tire and then put on a flat spare and then like had to get my car towed <laughs> and all of like then I could be like, well, that's why. Uh but this is more of just I don't know. What mm. are we what are we all doing here? I got I was really, really frustrated with everything that was happening in my week until I lowered the thing and saw that the spare was flat. And then I just started like cackling. It was just like <laughs> this this is that this is has gotten hilarious. Yeah, yeah. If it's gonna if it's gonna be bad, it might as well be funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh it makes for a good story, yeah. Yep. Um, so we were thinking about kicking off with a uh with a question today about distraction. Um, I was just going to ask the question and Megan, I feel like Joe and I have stolen a lot of airtime so far. Um, so if you feel good about starting this one, what is the thing in your life that always distracts you from doing the things that you should be doing? Like what, what can happen that always interrupts whatever it is that you should be doing? Okay, so mine is not original, all right? It's something we, we all experience, but it's this thing right here, mm -hmm. my phone, um, particularly- She I would, showed I'm us gonna, a phone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need to make sure I make these things clear, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I know this is this is a common theme for people, but I'm just going to own it, is I, I feel like for me, it's often Facebook, um, which is something that I- I didn't even have a Facebook page until I left the school system and started my own spiritual direction practice. And so I wanted to let people know a little bit about what I was doing and and um, just kind of generate some interest. Um, but what I have noticed is that I tend to use it to fill up a lot of empty spaces in my life. Mm -hmm. which which I don't so I don't have the same experience as a lot of people. I hear a lot of people talk about, the negativity on social media. I don't have that experience. I, mostly the people on my social media are positive and 
or, or just seeking goodness in their life. They're seeking meaning and positivity, whatever it is. So that's not the issue. The issue is more that when we live contemplatively, we need those empty spaces to, to do what uh, Ganella Norris calls locating ourselves, like coming back to ourselves, like noticing the breath, feeling ourselves in our body, just checking in with what we're feeling. And all those little empty spaces are full of Facebook. So, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to like be intentional, be more intentional because I really do love the connections I make on Facebook. And I, I love the things that I, you know, I learn about people. I learn about events and um, it's a way to share what I'm doing with the world, but I just want to use it more intentionally instead of every single moment is filled with something in my life. They spend billions of dollars to make sure that that that, that happens. So it's, it's hard to fight back against, you know, it is. And I've got my notifications turned off. So yeah, I've got one of those things that's like, uh, you know, 30 minute limit okay. that every day I go ignore for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Like 30 minutes into the morning, ignore <laughs> every day. I do this. <laughs> I've noticed the same thing, Megan, that I have like, and I don't, um, I, I really don't uh, do social media too much, which is funny because like every time I do, I make. I make more money. Like if I'm active on social media, I get more inquiries. I make like, it really is. But I, I guess that's, that's probably the saving grace for me with social media is it's like, (laughs) I'm not drawn to it because I probably should be on it more (laughs) than I am. (laughs) Um, But I do have this, a weird relationship with, this is not my answer for this, but I just wanted to piggyback on it a little, like this weird relationship with noise, like where it's just kind of, okay, I'm in my car and I'm driving to, you know, food lion six minutes away, I should probably pick up on that podcast I was on because I can't have six yeah. minutes of just radio silence. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's put on music right now uh, because that'll, you know, we need to fill the airwaves with something. Let's hop on YouTube um, for something. I do. I say I don't do social media, but I absolutely binge YouTube stuff and go down rabbit trails of that kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. But it is, it's odd. It's a weird thing that starts to happen whenever you start to be like, all right, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say no to that right now. And yes, to just driving or just eating a meal or just whatever the other things that washing the dishes without a podcast, without something on. It's interesting what happens. It could make yeah. you sad though. <laughs> yeah which is okay <laughs> right feel because your feelings that's which is right. true. like what if that's what if you need to be sad and you weren't noticing because yeah exactly <laughs> and that's what happens when we fill every empty space whether it's social media or podcast or reading or whatever we don't we don't really get in touch with what we're experiencing within ourselves and so that's something I just want to continue to work on is to let those spaces happen. Yeah, that's good. You guys went too deep too fast. I was <laughs> I was gonna say, um I'm mine is too deep. Mine is uh popcorn machine popcorn. Mine was like, snacks. <laughs> <laughs> How is this the I second don't... week in a row that my thing was also one of your things? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any kind of 
feelings about microwave popcorn, like whatever. But I could be just full to the rafters and late for my mother's funeral. And if I walk by a popcorn machine, I'm stopping. Like, <laughs> I did not know this about you, Joe. <laughs> That's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a snack boy. That's uh that that will ruin my concentration. I also think one of the things that's really distracting to me is productivity. Um like if I start to really make progress and I'm starting to do really really good and I'm like the wheels are turning and great things are happening, there's something in my brain that's like hey, pump the brakes, buddy. This is uh <laughs> Mr. CEO over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're too good for video games now. <laughs> How about you get some snacks? Turn on a podcast for a minute. Um Yeah, yeah. Those are good. I I think uh I wonder if those are fairly universal to be like sure. we're we're distracted by these um I don't know pretty, food and social media. Pretty yeah. normal urges. <laughs> yeah. yeah right, like a, right. Uh dopamine. Get me some dopamine. Like get me a hit of something. Um something that can reward me very quickly uh which kind of makes sense you know especially for what i just said about productivity being something that like a surefire way to get me distracted is to like get me working really hard and really focused in on something and eventually my brain is just like how about we get some rewards in this like some quick (laughs) rewards yeah (laughs) well maybe you need some rewards i get them salt and vinnies Okay, there you go. <laughs> salt and Vinny's in a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> oh man, I can't do I can do a little bit of salt and Vinny's, but only like ten chips and then my tongue is ablaze. Really? My my favorite one is a malt vinegar one. Which oh, is a yeah, little okay. which is a little milder. I, I haven't had those. I do like malt vinegar on my fries. Yeah. You know, there's you a, good fries. There's an Utz brand. This portion of this today's episode brought to you in part by <laughs> Let's brand salt and malt Vinnies. Uh, All right. And triple A. Try that out. And triple A. <laughs> and triple A. That's right. Oh. Uh, well, what's uh, what's for real today? <clears throat> well, I was at the risk of taking up too much space. Uh, I can tell you guys about my um, shamanic journey that we talked about last week last week when we recorded i was preparing i was fasting uh for a shamanic journey um so that was that was interesting i i went with um there's three guys three three white guys um who were all uh you know we, we just i guess we're all connected through through one person, the guy who knows, um, or who originally knew Miguel, the medicine man, uh, the Taino medicine man that we know. And, um, so we had asked him to do this for us and he very generously agreed, uh, to do it. And so it was, we went to his, uh, Miguel is aside from being a medicine man is also an artist, really accomplished artist. And so we went to his art studio, uh, to do this thing. And he started out by, uh, so it was really cool. I mean, it's filled with all this art that he's making and also just like, I don't know, pieces of 
wood that he's been cutting up and a chainsaw and it's just like it was a cool space um so he he started out by um constructing an altar and for Taino people the altar always consists of a um a medicine wheel um and their medicine wheel has 28 stones around the outside that represent the um the like the menstrual cycle of Atabe, who's Mother Earth essentially, right? The, the feminine deity. Um, and then there's the other the other path through the medicine wheel goes through the four directions, um, which also represent the four seasons, and it's uh the life cycle of uh, I think his, I'm I'm probably gonna say this wrong, Yakahu, who's the the male deity, the father of life. And, um, he's, what is it? Born, born in the South and comes to maturity in the East and then dies in the West, uh, and returns to the womb of Atabe and is reborn. Um, so there's, anyway, he sets up this, this medicine. We can talk more about the medicine wheel sometime. I'm really fascinated by it. It's like really captured my attention in recent months um anyway the so we set up that uh and we kind of got got chairs and got comfortable around the altar there and um we began with uh, some songs he he sang we sang a few songs to um a song to atabe and a song to yakahu um and those then, are tough. Those are tough names to rhyme. Yeah, yeah, it is songwriter's <laughs> perspective. Um, and then we uh, we had some purification rituals. You purified with smoke and with water. Um, and then there was a there's a cigar. You know, tobacco is a very um, sacred plant to the uh, to the Taino people. Tobacco is a Taino word. Uh, so we like smoked some cigars and blew you blow the smoke uh, to the four directions, blessing the the energies of the four directions. Um, I'm trying to think, there's there's other things. Um, so this is sort of the the ritual preparation for the for the event. Um, <clears throat> oh, and then so he there was another song that was like um, invoking the guardian spirit of each of the participants to come and help with the journey. Uh, and then, and then he started drumming or not drumming. He was actually using, you can do it with drums, I guess, but he was using a maraca. And so for the, for the next like 90 minutes, um, he's shaking this maraca at, at the same, like it's, there's a certain wave to it. Um, and like, and I don't know. Doing? Um, so at this point we're sitting there um, and he, the, at the beginning of the shaking of the maraca, he took us through a guided um, journey. So the guided journey was like, we're, we're all standing together and there's a, um, there's something, I can't remember the name there. He gave the Spanish name of, of an animal. That's something like a groundhog um, who is digging a hole and we are following him into this hole, following this groundhog. Uh, 
and and we we go down deep into the hole and eventually come to a large cave like a big cavernous hall basically um and then when we get there the groundhog has done his part of our journey so we thank him and he leaves uh and we're greeted in the cave by a a snake woman um who takes us through the cavernous hall and then you know we we thank her for her uh her leadership and then she leaves and we climb up out of the cave um and meet another animal guide who's a a hawk but a a giant a great hawk um that we could all all four of us climb on the back of um and then the the hawk soars over the jungle <clears throat> uh, so all of this is a guided guided meditation right and then uh, at that point he says it's continuing to to shake this maraca the whole time um and i i gather you know the both the fasting you fast for 24 hours uh and the the shaking of the maraca or the beating of a drum at a certain frequency is supposed to help to induce um sort of visionary states right uh so anyway we get to the we're, we're on the hawk flying around um and at that point miguel says now i invite you to take your own journey um so you can remain on the the hawk and fly around and see what you see um if you want to go down to the ground just you know ask him if he is willing to take you down um and you can you can walk around and and see what you see and the idea is that you will find something uh on your journey that you can bring back with you uh something that you need along the way so uh we're <laughs> okay so i i like had a really um and and he continues to keep the pace of the maraca throughout that and i think the whole thing like the singing the um the ritual preparations and the guided meditation was about 90 minutes so i think we probably were doing the the meditation for about an hour um and um when i was on the like imagining myself on this hawk flying over i have a, a little bit of a fear of heights and i like could feel that sort of viscerally and i was like take me down take me down um so i i got out and walked around in the jungle and what i imagined sort of um like walking but i couldn't see very far because it was like a lot of trees and i could only see basically like a few feet in front of me and the path that i was walking kept changing so like it was a dirt path for a while and then like a slatted wooden path like a bridge or something um for a while i was in this like digital world and i think what was happening is um miguel uh he couldn't get his phone turned off he kept like as we were getting going he he would be like ah, i can't get this thing to and he would <laughs> you know how like if you hold the button and it comes if you have an iphone it pops up to like you can slide to turn it off and so he kept getting to that screen and going oh there we go and, like he had it but he wouldn't <laughs> slide the thing so uh, he's, I don't know, he gets a lot of communication. So I kept dinging during the thing and it was like a little bit, not quite taking me out of it, but it was, I think I integrated that like the way that, you know, if you hear, if you're dreaming and you hear your alarm clock, you like 
integrate that somehow. Mm-hmm. So part of the time I was walking on like a digital path where they were like pixels coming up to meet, like make a path for me, which I think was related to the phone thing. So I just kept walking around, walking around and I couldn't see anything. I could see only like, um, you know, maybe three feet in front of me at any time. And it was like, there was nothing there. It was only dirt floor and only slatted wood or only these pixels. And there was just nothing at all um, for me to even interact with. Um, So, and it's interesting because, you know, the, the idea is as, as it was explained to me is that you would go and find a thing that was uh, that would help you in where you are in your life right now. And um, like, I just couldn't see anything at all. Uh, And both of my friends who were with me did have interactions with things that were really meaningful to them and they found things to bring back. So anyway, I'm, I'm walking along and at some point in my walking, I just decided like it, it became clear to me or whatever um, that like, I don't need anything. Let me just sit down. Uh, and so I found a, like a large, I was back in the jungle at this point and I found a large rock and I just sort of sat down on this rock and, and waited and listened to the drumming and um, just kind of waited it out. So I was like, I was kind of feeling like, Oh, that was a bust, you know, like it was, it was sort of fun. It was a cool experience. Um, we went out afterwards and had some good wedding soup and I'd love, I'd do it again. Right. But whatever, like it wasn't, um, it just was, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. I, I didn't find the thing. Um, so, you know, we had a good time. We left, we, I, I got home and I was talking to Gwendolyn about it. Um, you know, just telling her about my experience. And I was like, you know, it was kind of like, I didn't find anything. I just sat on this rock and she was like, I think that makes sense. Um, and like, so processing it with her, I realized like, okay, in the last year I've had like at least half a dozen, like, what I would consider significant mystical experiences. Um, one, um, well, we, we can talk about all of them at some point, I'm sure. Um, but like really significant experiences that like have been there in part because I've been seeking them out. I've been doing shamanic journeys and all kinds of shit. And in part because like, I don't know. I'm just at this really um, fertile point in my life. I mean, I'm at the beginning of maybe the afternoon of my life, we might say. Um, and I'm kind of, I've, I've been given so many like really rich gifts. And like, I, so this, this journey was for me a confirmation of like, maybe and i didn't know this at first i thought it was just a bust but i having like gwendolyn helped me process the fact that like okay maybe i have what i need right now and what what i like the place that i am in my life right now is that i need to to slow down like stop seeking these experiences and start working with the experiences that i have and 
you know, um, processing them and making art and like just getting quiet and giving myself the space to really um, enter the lessons that that I've learned. I've been seeking these really grand experiences and they feel great. Like, right. They feel just alive and electric. Um, and I, I might be entering a place in my life where it's like, I don't need to find another thing. Um, I need to like learn how to let the electricity of those moments, um, get into my, into my body and into my spirit in some kind of way, if that means anything. Yeah. And maybe it's about just allowing yourself to go find a rock to lie on. Yeah. Right. And just be present with what's already there. I, uh, so I have a question and then I think this is very fertile ground for us to just talk about a little bit. My, my question though, um, listening to all of that, is kind of sincerely like how um, hallucinogenic, I guess, is the, I don't know what the right word is, yeah, is that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how, like how much of that is, would, would you say, I actually couldn't help but sort of see things the way I was seeing them and how much of it was, okay, I'm really, really trying to play along. And I'm not trying to downplay what was actually happening. I just, yeah, 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 know, yeah. Just for, um, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I think, okay. If I can get nerdy for just a second to say that I would, I was, someone told me about this experiment the other day that, you know, uh, people who have Alzheimer's, um, we have known for a long time that the cause of Alzheimer's is a, um, a certain kind of plaque that builds up in your brain. Right. And that everybody gets this. Um, but most of us have little, um, I don't know, cleaner cells, like little toothbrush cells that go around in our brain cleaning up the plaque. Um, and that people with Alzheimer's have a reduced presence of these cleaner cells. We've also known for some time that, um, you know, your brain vibrates at different frequencies, like when you're sleeping or when you're active or when doing different kinds of things. Um, and that people with Alzheimer's have a, a, less spend less time in gamma free i think it, i think that's right it doesn't matter i'm i'm probably getting the wrong greek letter there but you know what i mean a certain kind of frequency i think it's gamma um and didn't know how those are related right so somebody said well let's try this out and they they cut open some rats brains and they vibrated them they put like electric pulses and vibrated them at gamma frequencies um and it turned out they started to produce more of these little cleaner cells that clean up the plaque in your brain like oh okay so if you can get to vibrating at gamma frequency uh you can that's cool um that'll help help grow more of the cleaner cells that reduce the plaque that cause alzheimer's i'm if there are science like doctors out there i'm sorry that i'm so butchering the medicine but <laughs> you get the idea okay so um so they're like that's really cool it's too bad we can't cut open people's brains and do this um why don't we try if we can do it externally let's let's flash lights uh at at these rats with gamma frequencies instead of cutting open their brain um 
and it turns out it does the same thing. You can flash the lights in into their eyes and it it produces the same results. And then somebody was like, well, why don't we try um, sound? See if we can make a sound at this frequency. And, and it does the same thing. Uh, and it's so simple that it's like nobody would even think to test it or try it because it's like, but this is what <laughs> this is what native cultures have been doing for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um and we now know that it really has like visible results in the brain. Um so I say all that to say, like, I don't know, but we do know that something is happening to people's brains when uh when you're um introduced to these frequencies for a long time. Um even by just drumming and my experience was probably somewhere in the middle. Like I could have, I, I could have rejected it. Right. I could have not, I could have chosen not to go on this journey. Even when I was sitting in the room, I could have closed my eyes and let my mind wander off if I wanted to, but having, committed to it having like um opened myself to it uh it certainly felt like i was taken it i didn't feel like i was in control it was it was kind of like a dream right um where you're you really are brought along you don't you don't have kind of conscious control of of what vision is popping up well and that so that is the that is the space that I think is is like fertile for a conversation for us today, like just to think about. I mean, that's my suspicion hearing the story is like, okay, that you're you're talking about this as though it's a, you know, hallucination, psychological experience, like you're like you're on shrooms or LSD or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, there um, are there are shamanic also... journeys where they use plant medicine to right. uh induce hallucinations. This one wasn't. It was it was yeah. just drumming. Well and and I, but I think there is something I, I see value in both. I, I do. I see value in, you know, the places in our life, times in our life where we're just kind of like even even from a therapy perspective, like you might need to be hypnotized or drugged to some extent so that we can tap into some things that your conscious mind is not going to allow you to. We're going to have to, we're going to have to let subconscious take over. We have to do something to do that. Um, But then I think there's also tremendous value in this experience that you're talking about now where we're like um, skeptics like me (laughs) are hearing you tell the story and all the while, like there's part of me is like, yeah, but you just play and pretend like you're just sort of, imagining this thing that's happening um but i'm also thinking well but that's something we need to be able to teach our brains to do that's really important to the process to be like yeah can you play along though can you get your brain to play along (laughs) can uh to to sort of be able to i want to access something that i don't have access to i want to um and the idea that a chemical could help, a, a drug could help, whatever, sure, sure. But also it would be nice to be able to do that somewhat on your own, like completely naturally to to say, can I have some 
you know, ability to do this myself. When you're describing it, Joe, it, it reminds me of Carl Jung's idea of active imagination. Because yeah. with, with active yeah. imagination, rather than the dream world where we really, unless we're lucid dreaming, um, we really have no control of what's happening. But in active imagination, there is an intersection between consciousness and unconsciousness. And that's what I feel like I'm hearing is it's it, there was a conversation happening between your unconscious and your conscious self. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, and to think like, OK, well, if I wanted to find something specific out there, I could have like put it there. Like I do, I I'm somewhat in the driver's seat of that. And that's, that's the sort of therapeutic exercise that maybe is also pseudo spiritual exercise to be like, okay, well, what would that be? Um, I feel like that's the most difficult thing in my life right now. Like if I had to, what my ranting and anxiety and anger and sadness over the last 12 hours has been really is, and I've, I've talked to Joe at length about this, <laughs> like, it's a weird space to be at in my life where I no longer have a super clear goal for what I'm trying to accomplish next. I think part of what brought me into the afternoon of my life was at some point in my late twenties to early thirties passing survival mode, like getting to a point where I'm just like, I think we're going to be okay. I think there's going to be enough money. I think, you know, it looks like we kind of got through the weeds on some of what, I don't know what some irrational health worries and things like that. And like, we're just kind of, it looks like we're going to be here for a while and we're <laughs> going to need to figure out what to do with our time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that brings on these really strange anxieties that make you feel, I don't know. They make me feel like super silly and privileged to be like, yeah, I had what amounts to probably some kind of um, angry anxiety attack last night as I'm trying to like calm myself down and go to sleep where I'm getting really keyed up. And what it really amounts to is that I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh, no, I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know what I want. <laughs> like All the goals of... Uh, all the goals that I had in my early twenties and mid twenties was like, it'd be really cool. Just one day have like kids and a house and some money and, you know, free time to do what we wanted with our lives and maybe to make money playing music and entertaining people. And, and then you get all that and you're like, okay, yeah, well, what about the next 60 years? I mean, all my grandparents lived to be in their mid nineties and they just ate like homemade biscuits and corned beef gravy and worked in coal mines and drank Beckley water, which did you know we weren't supposed to drink that, Joe? <laughs> did you know that yeah. Beckley water has basically been on a boil warning since 1970? <laughs> you could tell. <laughs> yeah, you could tell. You could but, taste it. but I'm like, now I'm eating kale and doing yoga and jogging. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make it to a buck 20. And I, I like, that's a long time to sort of figure out what are we, what are we actually doing here? So I don't know the whole, the whole conversation, the whole thing that you were just playing out for me. I, I feel like, you know, 
there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I think I'll take the drugs because I think I would rather my subconscious take over because if it's left up to my conscious mind, I think I'd be in the same conundrum I'm I'm in right now. But also, yeah, maybe one of my favorite tapped into there to be like, well, what are you? You need to figure out what you're going to find. What are you bringing back? What What is it? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite lines like that I think through about how how to do spiritual direction and i associate this line with the the poet kathy smith bowers but it's not her line and i can't remember the attribution i was just trying to google it um maybe you know it megan is the kingdom of god is within and it is a conversation between the conscious and the unconscious Mm -hmm. um and i just love that like the idea that you know there is just what you're saying like there are there are deep truths in us. There are things that we all like the, the things that we all need to know, I think are right inside of us. Um, but they're, they're just buried under mountains of anxiety and planning and like conscious control of our lives. Right. Um, and so you have to, you do have to do whatever the thing is for you, right? If it's, if it's drugs, fine. If it's, um, hypnosis, fine. If it's, uh, theta drumming, fine. You know, if it's just getting quiet, if it's paying attention to your dreams, if it's whatever, like there is, we do have to tap into that deep inner wisdom that, that unconscious, um, self that is, speaking and and giving us the things that we need um but that the unconscious speaks to us in images and bits of a feeling and <laughs> like um i don't know it it also requires then a little like it it requires some processing and that's that's the thing that i I think I realized on this journey or at least processing it with Gwendolyn is like, I have been steeped for the last year. I've been like only coming now to realize that you need that unconscious part of yourself. Like I've, I've just for the first time in my life, like gotten in touch with my emotions. Like I cry now. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Um, That (laughs) never happened before. And like, gotten in touch with uh, a lot of the parts of myself that had been hidden to me for a long time. Um, and I, I've been really working on that and really like steeping myself in, in the unconscious, but you also have to bring that home. You also have to bring those gifts back to the conscious mind and have a conversation with them. Like that's where the juice is. The juice is within, and it is a conversation between the conscious and the unconscious. Um, and it that's that's a hard balance to find yeah and something else that comes up to me related to what both of you all are saying is one of the key elements of moving into the afternoon of our lives is this idea of mystery you know mm-hmm. the the morning of our lives is at least it was for me and i think it is for a lot of people it's there's a lot more clarity yeah. so it feels more comfortable because you know, the world out there has told us who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and what life is supposed to look like. And it's only when we let go of those expectations 
that we move into the afternoon of our lives and it can be really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because now we don't have all, we don't have the guidebook anymore because each of our journeys are so individual that we have to, we have to move into those unconscious spaces that aren't going to have the same answers for me as they do for you. Yeah. And yeah, so finding that right. And what, what I love about your experience, Joe, is that you were open, you were open to it, to a, a conversation with the unconscious, right? I mean, I think you probably got more out of that experience than you even know at this point. But but the idea is is exploration in the afternoon of our lives. We're willing to open up to things that in the past might have seemed just almost ridiculous. Uh, and now it's like, okay, you know, it's the Buddhist quote, be open to everything but attached to nothing. Like maybe you'll do some of these things and nothing will happen, but it's the openness that makes a difference. Yeah. There's, I don't know, this is off the dome here. So if it doesn't make any sense, we'll just move along. But um, I'm just trying to, trying to find some kind of substance and some kind of meaning as to why I've arrived at this place in the way that I have. And, you know, possibly to loop, Joe into it too that I feel like for a really long time on a on a sort of higher spiritual level um I I had this um God is in control kind of perspective about things mm-hmm. so there were really big questions and really big considerations for my future and my life that were just sort of answered by God is in control Um, and then I reach a certain point in my life where it's not that I don't believe that anymore. I just don't know what that even means. Like that doesn't have any, I don't know where it happened that it was like, there was a time when that phrase was calming and, you know, helpful and brought with it some resolve to whatever the conundrum of the moment was. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, maybe what, I don't, I don't know what you mean by God. I don't know what you mean by in control. Um, but whatever it is that you mean, it's no longer very helpful to how I feel right now and what I'm trying to figure out and what I'm trying to access. Um, and it's also odd. This is just, um, some of my, some of my ranting last night got into my, my relationship with, this Jesus of Nazareth figure. Um, you may have heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Once or twice. And how how significant the teachings of Jesus were to me really out of the context of this God is in control. Like they were, I didn't realize they were two different things being communicated the whole time. Like yeah. there is this sort of appellation, um, God is in control like sort of just Americanized. Um, I don't even. I don't want. To, I don't even want to say Christianity because that has the word Christ in it, and I'm not sure how much Christ had to do with a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like I tell people sometimes now that like I'm. I was raised Christian in West Virginia, which tells you a few things. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with loving your enemies uh, or forgiving people. But we did have banjos and guns, and we didn't trust the government unless the government was a white Republican man. 
who sounded like he was raised on a plantation in the 1800s like that we do trust that guy but nobody else in the government like that's what i mean by christian and none of that has anything to do with christ but somehow i'm i'm still drawn to this like i don't know like what comes up in this conversation today is jesus saying let he who has ears to hear listen and understand like that while others at the time that Jesus is walking around teaching are saying God is in control, Jesus maybe is saying, yeah, okay, if that works for you, but also some of you might actually have eyes to see something if you would open them. Some of you might actually have ears to hear something if you'd be willing to listen for a second. I mean, if that answer works for you, great. I don't have any interest in dismantling or deconstructing anybody's faith system that works. But I also, I see this, you know, Jesus extending an invitation often to contemplative types or to, you know, anxious types or neurotic types or whatever it is that I am um, and saying, yeah, if you'd open your eyes, you might just see if you, but, but opening your eyes is work. Like there's going to, you're going to have to work for that. Like you're gonna have to work to open your ears. Um, yeah, I think the the way that that's kind of like manifested for me in the in the afternoon of my life is because I also have you know um, our our friend Drew Drew's my friend Tommy Double O's uh, Thomas J Ord talks about <clears throat> God um, God is love, right? And love is by nature uncontrolling. Um, so sort of the definition of love. And so, you know, he he tries to lead people away from this idea of of a con- a God who's in control. Um, and I'm kind of like you, like I I used to find a lot of comfort in that um, in that notion of of God is in control. And I think um, what I meant by that was it's going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what that phrase, that's what that conception meant for me. And as I've kind of like also been on a similar journey to yours, Drew, where I'm like, I now am uncomfortable with this idea of control because I think if there is something like a God, you know, it is, she is, they are love um, and love isn't controlling. But also, like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't. E- I don't even know what it would mean to say that there is something like God, and if so, what it does. Um, but I do think that it's like this is a little bit where we were at last time. Like, there is something deep in me that says, like, good where we've been, good where we're going to, you know it's it's all right um and it's gonna be and that's like you know that doesn't mean that shit doesn't happen because it does and and for some people really 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 serious shit so i'm not i'm not it's that's not a utopian like prosperity like things are things in the world are gonna go well for you um there there's something something deeper there and i don't i don't i don't say god is in control anymore that's not the way that i now talk about that sense um but i think it it's doing the same work that that 
phrase once did for me. Um, there is a deep, uh, and, and it's not, it's not as external as it used to be, right? That sense that everything is going to be all right was an external experience. God out there somewhere yeah. is in control of things. And I don't yeah. probably think that anymore, but, um, there is something deep inside that says good where we've been good. Where we're going to. Yeah. And I think for me, the way that I see that is it's not this sense of God is in control. It's more of a sense of that we all have access to something. Um, and, and I can't, I, I can't explain exactly what it is. I know that it's, it's bigger than me and it's in me and I have access to that. So when I feel like um, when I'm, when I'm afraid, when I'm going through something difficult, if I felt like I had to rely on me, myself with a little lowercase s, that ego self, that would be terrifying. But I do have this sense that I have access to something, some, whether you see it as a higher power or the universe or something holy within ourselves, something sacred, that's, that's how I experience that idea of God is in control. It's not really about control. It's about access for me. Something to tap into. Um, I, I, I wanted to, you know, give my final two cents on, on the tales of what both of you are saying. And, um, I'm speaking a little, maybe a little less for myself here and maybe more for a, a listener or like, you know, it's for myself in this moment, because as I've said a few times throughout this episode, like I just didn't, you know, there's a little bit of a heaviness on me today. Um, but I think, you know, so much of the struggle of the afternoon, this particular stretch of it for me, or maybe it's just the beginning of the afternoon has this, you know, written into the code of it is there's a whole lot of it's all right, have a good time because it's all right. <laughs> like a lot of what we said in the previous episode. And then there's a big, big part of me that says, yeah, I know it's all right. But I'm still waking up in a cold sweat at mm. night. I I know it's all right. I know God is in control if that's your verbiage. I know, you know, that my peace comes from within and that ultimately on some level, like this is a really um, perhaps nihilistic way of addressing this, but like on some level, it kind of doesn't matter that much. Like it's just, you know, we're a, we're just sort of a, a passing thing. Um, but for some reason there is this, there's this tension between, there's this tension that comes out of it's all right for me. That's I guess that's what I'm really getting at is, okay, it's all right. So what do I do with these feelings? What do I do with my time? What do I do? Like, what is the point? If it's going to be all right, like if I'm not the one who has to do the work to make it all right, and I think that's it, as much as anything, it's sort of like, losing ego in your early 20s it's like i didn't get to a point where now everything's fine as much as i got to a point where i'm like oh yeah i'm not the one pulling all the strings like it's actually it's so much bigger and beyond me and also so, so much like 
smaller and inside of me. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's so good. That's that's so good. That's to me. That's like the problem of of the afternoon of life that you've identified. It's like okay, I had an agenda for so long that was laid out for me. The agenda of life is you you do what is pleasing to God. That was the big one for me, right? Because I yeah. grew up yep. evangelical Christian. It's like, well, I've got to live this life that is about um, you know, finding God's will for my life. That's that's the number one thing, and then living it out, right? So like finding out what what combination I have to push to please God and then actually convincing myself to do it. And on top of that, um, trying to please everybody else in my life, right? Everybody else had ideas about how I am supposed to live and who I'm supposed to be in the world um, and all these expectations. And like, you know, on the one hand, we can talk about the unbearable weight of all of that, right? That's crush. That's soul crushing. Um, and it's, it's, um, for, for a lot of people, I feel like it feels like being trapped, right? Um, like people experience this kind of like sense of being boxed in and they just want to break forth into freedom. And, and part of coming into the afternoon of your life is, is breaking out of the box, like getting free from all of the expectations and all of the, um, ideas you have about divine you know, pleasure or, or retribution or whatever. Um, and so there's, you know, there's that difficult part of it, that, that really crushing weight and, and boxed inness of it. But also you had an agenda, right? You had a map, you had a, you had a, um, a job to do. And it's like, you remove that notion that like, Whatever it is, for some people, it's like getting rid of the expectations of their family or or what they think society wants from them or or whatever. And for some people, it's saying like, you know what, God, you know, Richard Rohr talks about um, the the difficult task of accepting that you're already accepted, right? You don't, you no longer need to perform, but performing was all I never ever knew how to do. So yeah. what the hell do I do now? Yeah, yeah. Now the show's over. And that's a that's a whole new path. That's a whole new journey. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, Briefly. sure. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, when I think about you waking up in the morning with sweats, um, what comes up for me is in the afternoon of our lives, it's the time that we actually stop the distractions like we were talking before and engage with that, just engage with, with what's happening, not judge it, not, not try to shove it away, but allow yourself to just interact with the part of you that's waking up in sweats. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that to me, that's just a sign. You're just, you're moving right where you need to move. Um, and, it also could be that I spent my first 18 years sleeping in a waterbed. <laughs> that I'm at least I'm at least a little suspicious that my body doesn't have very good climate control. 
<laughs> because I spent <laughs> spent my early life at sea with a fever. Hi, this is Jerry in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for listening to Good Afternoon, an invitation to the contemplative life. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share it with a friend or on social media. I made it through the morning before I fell apart without warning. I took a deep breath to collect myself. I'll have a good afternoon.